The following speech was given by the 31st President of the United States. His name was Herbert Hoover, and he delivered this address on September 17, 1935. It was a Constitution Day address, and if you didn't realize this, because I didn't realize this before I had read the speech and had come to understand the ramifications, the day that the United States Constitution was signed was September 17th. And so what Herbert Hoover is doing here in this speech is paying homage to the Constitution of the United States of America. So check this one out. The speech is titled The Bill of Rights. In the 12 minutes which I occupy in this discussion, I shall refer to but one phase of the Constitution in its many bearings upon national life, and that is the Bill of Rights. Today, the Constitution is indeed under more vivid discussion than at any point since the years before the Civil War. The background of that issue was Negro slavery, but in the foreground was the constitutional question of states' rights and the final determination was the fate of the Union. The aroused interest of today is again the rights of men. Today, the issue is the rights of the individual in relation to the rights of the government. This too involves the fate of the nation. And if for no other reason, this discussion has been forced upon us between new philosophies and new theories of government having arisen in the world which militantly deny the validity of our principles. Our Constitution is not alone the working plan of a great federation of states under representative government. There is embedded in it also the vital principles of the American system of liberty. That system is based upon certain inalienable freedoms and protections, protections which not even the government may infringe, in which we call the Bill of Rights. It does not require a lawyer to interpret those provisions. They are as clear as the Ten Commandments. Among others, the freedom of worship, the freedom of speech and of the press, the right of peaceable assembly, equality before the law, just trial for crime, freedom from unreasonable search, and security from being deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. These are the principles which distinguish our civilization. Herein are the invisible sentinels which guard the door of every home from invasion of coercion, of intimidation and fear. Herein is the expression of the spirit of men who would be forever free. These rights were no sudden discovery, no overnight inspiration. They were established by centuries of struggle in which men died fighting bitterly for their recognition. Their beginnings lie in the Magna Carta at Runnymede 570 years ago before the Constitution was ever written. Down through the centuries, the habeas corpus, the petition of rights, the Declaration of Rights, and the growth of the fundamental maxims of the common law marked their expansion and security. Our forefathers migrated to America that they might attain them more fully. And when they wrote the Declaration of Independence, they boldly extended these rights. Before the Constitution could be ratified, patriotic men who feared a return to tyranny whose chains had been thrown off only years, 
only after years of toil and bloody war, insisted that these hard-won rights should be incorporated in black and white within the Constitution. And so came the American Bill of Rights. But in the hurricane of revolutions, which, I, which have swept the world since the Great War, men struggling with the wreckage and poverty of that great catastrophe and the complications of the machine age are in despair surrendering their freedom for false promises of economic security. Whether it be fascist Italy, Nazi Germany, communist Russia, or their lesser followers, the result is always the same. Every day, they repudiate every principle of the Bill of Rights. Freedom of worship is denied. Freedom of speech is suppressed. The press is censored and distorted with propaganda. The right of criticism is denied. Men go to jail, or even the gallows, for honest opinion. They may not assemble for discussion, and they speak of public affairs only in whispers. They are subject to search and seizure by spies and inquisitors who haunt the land. The safeguards of justice in trial or imprisonment, they're set aside. There is no right in one's savings or one's own home which the government need respect. Here is a form of servitude. It's a form of slavery. A slipping back toward the Middle Ages. Whatever these governments are, they have one common denominator, and that is that the citizen has no assured rights. He is submerged into the state. Here is the most fundamental clash known to mankind. That is, free men and women cooperating under orderly liberty as contrasted with human beings made pawns of dictatorial government, men who are slaves of despotism, as against free men who are the masters of the state. Even in America, where liberty blazed brightest and by its glow shed light on all the others, it is besieged from without and also challenged from within. Many, in honest belief, hold that we can no longer accommodate the growth of science, of technology, and mechanical power to the Bill of Rights in our form of government. With that, I do not agree. Men's inventions cannot be of more value than men themselves. But it would be better that we sacrifice something of economic efficiency than to surrender these primary liberties. In them lies a spiritual right of men. Behind them is a conception which is the highest development of the Christian faith, the conception of individual freedom with brotherhood. From them is the fullest flowering of individual human personality. Those who proclaim that by the machine age there is created an irreconcilable conflict in which liberty must be sacrificed should not forget the battles for these rights over the centuries. For let it be remembered that in the end, these are undying principles which spring from the souls of men. We imagine conflict not because the principles of liberty are unworking in a machine age, but because we have not worked them conscientiously or have forgotten their true meaning. Nor do I admit that sacrifice of, of these rights would add to economic efficiency or would gain in economic security or would find a single job or would give a single assurance in old age. The dynamic forces which sustain economic security and progress in human comfort lie deep below the surface. 
they reach to those human impulses which are watered alone by freedom. The initiative of men, their enterprise, the inspiration of thought, they flower in full only in the security of these rights. And by practical experience, under the American system, we have tested this truth. And here, I may repeat what I have said elsewhere. Down through a century and a half, this American concept of human freedom has enriched the whole world. From the release of the spirit, the initiative, the cooperation, and the courage of men, which alone comes of these freedoms, has been builded this very machine age with all its additions of comfort and its reductions of sweat. Wherever in the world the system of individual liberty has been sustained, mankind has been better clothed, better fed, and better housed, and has had more leisure. Above all, men and women have had more self-respect. They have been more generous and of finer spirit. Those who scoff that liberty is of no consequence to the underprivileged and the unemployed are grossly ignorant of the primary fact that it is through the creative and the productive impulses of free men that the redemption of those sufferers and their economic security must come. Any system which curtails these freedoms and stimulants to men destroys the possibility of the full production from which economic security can alone come. These rights and protections of the Bill of Rights are safeguarded in the Constitution through a delicate balance of separation, through a delicate balance and separation of powers in the framework of our government. That has been founded on the experience over centuries, including our own day. Liberty is safe only by a division of powers and upon local self-government. We know full well that power feeds upon itself, partly from the greed of power and partly from the innocent belief that utopia can be attained by dictation or coercion. Nor is respect for the Bill of Rights a fetter upon progress. It has been no dead hand that has, been carried, that has carried the living principles of liberty over these centuries. Without violation of those principles and their safeguards, we have amended the Constitution many times in the past century to meet the problems of growing civilization. We will no doubt do so many times again. Always, groups of audacious men in government are out or out. Always groups of audacious men audacious men in government or out will attempt to consolidate privilege against their fellows. New invention and new ideas require the constant remolding of our civilization. The functions of government must be readjusted from time to time to, re to restrain the strong and to protect the weak. That is the preservation of liberty itself. We oftentimes interpret some provisions of the Bill of Rights so that they override others. They indeed jostle each other in the course of changing national life, but their respective domains can be defined by virtue, by reason, and by law. And the freedom of men is not possible without virtue, without reason, and without law. Liberty comes alone and lives alone where the hard-won rights of men are held inalienable, and where government themselves may not infringe, where governments are indeed but the mechanisms to protect and sustain these principles. It was this concept for which America's sons have died on hundreds of battlefields. The nation seeks for solution of many difficulties. 
these solutions can come alone through the constructive forces which arise from the spirit of free men and women. The purification of liberty from abuses, the restoration of confidence in the rights of men, from which come the release of the dynamic forces of initiative and enterprise. These alone are the methods through which these solutions can be found in the purpose of American life assured.